Welcome to episode 60 of The Process, Hard Work. Welcome to the Process Podcast. I'm Dorian Bullock. And I am Amante Martin. Uh, today we have Alicia Ocasio on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Alicia. Thank you both for having me. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Uh, could you tell the yeah. listeners where you're from? I am, I say I'm from Florida, Central Florida, um, but I was born in Long Island, Deer Park, Babylon, Long Island. and moved to Florida, uh, St. Cloud, Orlando, to be exact, when I was about seven years old. Um, and so um, I got my New York card stripped of me. Now, uh, <laughs> now I'm a Floridian, I got you know that thin blood, but um, grew up in Florida, went to school in Florida. Now I am right outside of Philadelphia, Delco. So what was it like growing up in, in Florida, down here in Central Florida? In the South South. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, I love Florida. I love the heat. Um, I love, you know, the aura. I love that you can drive uh, an hour and a half to whatever coast you want and go to the right. beach and hang out. You know, there's a lot of stuff to do. Um, met some of my best friends in Florida. Still keeping co- contact with people up in New York, but you know, those are my people. But um, in, in Florida was fun. Um, I did not like what the humidity did to my hair. Uh, <laughs> sure, you can attest to that, Dorian. But, right, it's ponytails every day. Right, slick back, eco style. I got it on deck. Um, right, but no, I love Florida. Um, you know, obviously growing up there for so long um, helped shape me into who I am. The experiences with the people that I've met, um, along with the people in in um, the experiences that I've had in Long Island. But I just spend most of my life down south in Florida. That um, actually leads me to a question because I was actually born in Florida and I moved to Atlanta when I was eight. So that's kind of similar. But the difference is, you know, coming from the north all the way up north to down south, were there any like social transitions that you could remember like amongst the people, like aside from like the weather, you know? things that you may have seen within the culture that was different north and south? 
Um, <clears throat> I can I can say uh, obviously I moved to Florida at a young age when I was seven, but mm -hmm. um, coming from uh, more so a, a black culture and in Deer Park, Babylon, where I was a around a lot more colored people, then going to Central Florida, being in St. Cloud, where um, it's predominantly white. So you look mm. at the differences, you're around um, a different race and obviously the culture there is, is different as well. Um, but in New York, it's, it's you know, you can walk to different places. It's super easy to get around. Um, right. Florida, you're in your car most of the time driving. I was actually in Florida last week and I think we drove about two, three hours every day just to get to and from where we going. So. Yeah. If I can speak on anything, it's it's the difference in culture and the areas that I have lived in um, because I was so young. Um, I can't really speak on um, a lot. Yeah. I, I think, see, I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, basically Southern Georgia. And we just, in terms of sports culture, it was all about football, basketball, and softball and baseball. Those are like the big sports. A lot of people don't believe me when I tell them that Softball is my second favorite sport, but you know, it is. <laughs> growing up in I love that. Georgia, growing <laughs> up in Southern Georgia. So when did you, you know, find your passion for softball? You know, when did you start playing? And you know, where did it take you? So early on, um, my mom used to always take me to, you know, different extracurricular activities. I was in the Girl Scouts. I did ice skating. I actually took piano lessons. Um, I don't know if I said gymnastics yet, but I was in gymnastics, ballet, uh, just a lot of different things. I also played softball, but it was more, um, you know, I just went to the softball field with my cousins and kind of just played around with them. It was experience. Uh, I moved to Florida and my dad um, lives in Florida along with his side of the family. And, you know, they always played slow pitch, they played fast pitch. And I was always on the sidelines just watching and sometimes throwing the ball around. And eventually one of my cousins just told my dad to put me in Little League. Um, so I started Little League when I was about seven and went on to travel ball when I was about eight or nine. And that's when I started getting really competitive and, and traveling around Florida to play. Um, but really just influenced by the people around me because my grandpa actually, he was in an all army team for softball. So he'll tell you today that I got all my skills from him. <laughs> that's awesome. I was curious as to, you know, being a jack of all trades, like I know, especially in the beginning of our youth, we're introduced to a lot of different activities. So you would say that you you went with softball based off of your skill set, or mainly was it because of, like you said, your environment? Was it a choice that you feel you made? I feel that I was heavily influenced into you know playing softball. I was good at it at a young age, so I just stuck with it. And I played, you know, a couple of different sports along the way. I played middle school, like volleyball and basketball. I ran cross country for a little bit. You will not catch me running more than a mile deep. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I played a couple of different sports. I, I, if I could choose any other sport in the world to play, I would play basketball or volleyball. But it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, I'm not. I would I wouldn't say I'm really good at those sports, but I just love to play them. <laughs> right. I love to play them, but softball just stuck with me, and I'm. I was good at it, so I just kept on. So, so around like high school, uh, when did you know you know you were going to take softball to the next level? You know, and how was that recruiting process like for you? So I always played softball for fun. I had a good time playing it. Like I said, I met some of my best friends playing the game, um, and our our relationship has developed from there. But 
Um, I didn't really think that I could play at the next level until I started getting offered, not, not even offered, I started getting interest from schools. And people told me, you know, you should, you know, really think about going to college for this. Um, it wasn't until my uh, February of my junior year in high school that I committed. Um, I had taken a couple of mid-major visits to a couple of different schools. Um, my first visit was actually to JU, Jacksonville University in Florida. And I was I've, <laughs> I was so impulsive. I was like, Dad, I want to come in right now. But he was like, no, 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 we gotta wait, like sleep on it because this is your first visit. Um, but I ended up actually um, having you know, a great uh, couple seasons, my first uh, few seasons in high school, and I actually committed to Florida Gulf Coast my sophomore year in high school. I'm not taking anything away from the recruiting process. It was super fun. If anybody's ever experienced that, it's it's a really fun time. You know, all these schools are, you know, showing interest in you and what you offer. Um, so it's a really fun time to take all that stuff in and travel and meet different people and see what's out there. But I committed to Florida Gulf Coast, like I said, and um, had a really good, um, really good junior year in, in, in high school. I mean, not college, high school. And then I just got cold feet. Um, I, you know, I knew I wanted to be a little bit more competitive than the place that I, I was going to. Um, so I decommitted. And um, it's funny because the story is just so crazy. Um, I had no. I had no offers, I had no interest from anybody else because the name of the game, and it's different in football. In softball, coaches aren't contacting you. Coach, you're kind of off limits. You're on a blacklist. Mm -hmm. um, with football, you know how they still come at you. They try to get you to decommit, come to their school. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's gritty. But in softball, I had no offers. I just decommitted. Um, and then I got a call from Coach Walton. Literally a couple of days later, came on a visit two days after the call and committed the next week. And it's crazy because it was during early signing period, which I'm not sure if you guys know, but it's in November, it's a week. So I got a call from him like the Monday, right before the end of early signing period. Went on a visit like two days later and um, I fell in love and then committed the next week. So what advice could you give to, you know, a high school senior who's looking, you know, at schools and, you know, what, what, what should they look for in a program and, you know, in terms of that recruiting process, you know, should they take it slow? Should they commit? Everybody has a different process in, in recruiting and, um, you know, developing, um, you know, on the field and off the field. I just think that you have to kind of weigh out the pros and the cons of every situation you're in, whether it's, you know, choosing a school or in any life situation, any big choices that you have to make. But, um, you know, the clock's always ticking, um, but make sure it feels right. I wouldn't just jump into any situation, not, you know, doing your research, not meeting the right people, not asking the right questions and talking to the team and figuring out how this experience can be mutually beneficial, um, how you can get your degree and still, you know, put the time in on the softball field and get what you need to get done. Um, I think a lot of people, um, and, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you know, some people make the decision to go to school for their athletic program. Some people make the decision to go to school for their the education and that's okay, but just make sure you understand yourself and understand what you want to get out of the college experience. But I mean, you're there to get a degree. You can't even play softball if you don't have a certain GPA, but just, you know, just follow your heart and make sure it feels right. Make sure it feels right. So that's a good segue into my next question. You know, why the University of Florida? 
So I chose the University, the University of Florida. Um, I think the first reason is because it is really close to my family. Um, I have a lot of, you know, family on my dad's side from Florida and, you know, having all of them be able to watch me grow as a player from, you know, when I first stepped on my Little League uh, field and played all the way to my collegiate career, I thought it was awesome for everything to come from oh, yeah. full circle, for me to watch my cousins, but then for them to come watch me in college years later. Um, I thought that was awesome and to be able to play for a top three team consecutive years um, it was an honor um, like I said I had no idea that I you know could be that player but um, the opportunity was presented was presented to me and I took it um, but I, when I got there um, I was shaking um, I remember being in the dining hall with you know Tim Wallen with coach Rocha and with coach G and I was shaking and at that point I had not felt that way um, visiting a school yeah. So for me, that was a moment of realization. Um, I knew I wanted to be there. I knew that I wanted to kind of reach for the stars and be able to be competitive and, um, you know, make a statement and be challenged. Because at FGCU, I, I felt like it was a good fit for me in the moment. But like I said, um, I wanted to do something different. So I felt like um, Florida was it for me. And, and how was it adjusting, you know, being a student athlete? Oh my goodness, this has levels to that. There's levels <laughs> to that question. Um, um, I tell people, you know, I had a rough couple years uh, coming in. I I couldn't even tell you, like, I don't really remember too, too much about what happened off the field because I feel like I was adjusting. I had a long period of adjustment to figure out what I needed in order to be successful on the field, off the field, socially, um, and in just a bunch of different facets. Um, so I was I was uncomfortable, um, and I had to figure it out. Um, and you know, I've you know, if I'm being um, like transparent, I had a hard time. There'd be times when you know one of my coaches would just look at me and ask me if I'm okay, and I'll just start crying because. I just, it was a really hard adjustment for me coming into um, a place where everybody's good. You're not the best player anymore. And you have to be challenged and rise to the occasion and be able to, you know, be competitive and be able to work alongside somebody who is just as good as you, if not better. So I think it pushed me to be um, more motivated. Um, and when, it talk, when we talk about school too, it was really hard because, you know, you jump from being in high school and taking and being there for eight hours, taking, you know, classes, um, you know, in front of your teachers and then going to, you know, a huge school where a lot of your classes are online, but a lot are also in a huge hall where you're not, you don't really know anybody. You don't really know your teachers. So it was just an adjustment for me. And, and two, I know y'all have virtual school. It's really hard to get adjusted to and figuring out how to manage your time. So that was a really hard struggle for me. What was it? I, I want to ask, because it's not, it's not just, I think it's a student athlete thing for sure, because you're managing two jobs, you know what I mean? Two full-time jobs. But what advice would you give to an individual coming into, you know, whatever it is, where they're going up against elite counterparts? where, you know, sometimes you may shy away from competition or shine away from being the best that you can be, you know, what advice would you give to that person to say, you know, learn the process or trust the process in that moment? I think trusting yourself and what you're capable of doing and pushing those boundaries. Um, I had a hard time adjusting to that. 
And I remember a specific moment when Coach Juan told me not to look to the left or right of me, not to worry about what anybody else is doing and to, you know, put my head down and just work hard. But trust the process, trust the work that you're putting in is going to pay off. And I think, you know, even before that, trusting the process, you got to learn how to work. Um, your work ethic can be great. You can be a workhorse, but if you're not doing the little things right, then it's not it's not worth it. It's not gonna, you know, pan out the way that you want it to. So I think just figuring out how to do the little things right so that you allow yourself to trust yourself and trust the process so that, you know, things can go in your favor. But if they don't, then hey, I mean, you did what you could, but you know, you gotta put your all into things and, you know, pray and and just, you know, trust that you did what you had to do in order to make things happen. I completely agree with that. My dad, he likes to say, you know, when you focus on the small wins, that the big wins don't have an option but to come, you know? So I completely agree. You know, just to like go off of that too, you know, I've been having Zoom calls with, with teams and there's a, a strong quote that resonates with me. Um, it, it was said by A-Rod. I believe a champion wins in his mind first, not the other way around. And mm -hmm. I love that quote because you have to kind of manifest things and and believe that you're able to do things before you depend on the result to determine how you feel about yourself or feel about your abilities. You have to know you can do it before yeah. you, you know what I mean? And that's, that's important that you highlight that because like you said, a lot of people will assume that it's the other way around. Oh, let me get, let me focus on, on my physical capabilities. I, mean, I need to do more push-ups. I need to go back to like, no, it's, you have to get your mind together first and figure out what are you really trying to accomplish here? Absolutely. I love that. What did it feel like to, to take on a leadership role on top of that, of all those pressures? I think with all of the responsibilities that um, I had, um, to play different positions. I kind of um, just led by example with my work ethic and and how I, you know, manage my time and, and putting in um, reps in different positions and, and being able to, um, you know, keep myself grounded through all of that because it's a hard thing to do. Um, uh, and any position is hard, um, but when you're asked to go from right field to left field, back to right field to center field, back to the pitching mound, and then throw a bullpen and hit on top of it. It, it wears you out. So I just think um, I led by example and being able to keep myself composed throughout um, throughout being kind of pulled in every direction. And I loved it, I did, um, and I still do. <laughs> but um, it's, I think just leading by example and, and, and doing what I needed to do in order to, you know, to execute. And the development of this mindset, because I'm just listening, I already know that this that takes skill to be able to to maneuver that way. How do you feel that you apply some of those techniques off the field? I think that you, I mean, you talk about my four years at Florida. Um, you watched me play my senior year. Yeah, I'm playing a couple of different positions, but it wasn't always like that. Um, my first year I came in and I, you know, was a pitcher and I was a pitcher only. So it was different for me because growing up, I played every other position while I wasn't pitching. So to be on the sidelines and to be able to accept my role, but not be satisfied. Um, I mean, you can apply that in life. Um, 
not being satisfied and being able to change the things that you can't accept. And I applied that directly on the field because you look at my freshman year, like I said, I was a pitcher only. And then, um, you know, I put the work and I had my head down. Um, you know, I took reps at night when no one was there, um, took extra reps on the field so that I could prove myself so I could get better. Um, and then my sophomore year, I pitched, but I also hit a little bit. Um, my junior year, I played right field and I played third base and I pitched. And then my senior year, I'm playing predominantly outfield and pitching a little bit. So year by year, I kind of, uh, I kind of inch toward my goal a little bit more. But I think, you know, um, the main thing behind that was to stay focused and to accept what I couldn't change and to change what I couldn't accept and figure out what I needed to do to be successful. But that yeah. could be applied in life. That could be applied in anything. If you're not happy where you are, um, no one's going to do the job for you. Um, it's right. up to you to make the change, figure out what you need to do to make that change and stand by it. I totally agree. And some people might, again, hear you say that and just not feel like that applies to them because they are in a position where they feel others are responsible for the way or their outcomes in life. But as soon as you recognize that you are responsible, it all comes. I wanted to ask if like there were any specific moments or pivotal moments in your life that you feel have a direct influence on where you are today aside from you know it doesn't even have to be like you as an athlete just you as an individual any major moments you feel like the first thing that pops in my mind actually is my freshman year um i i made jv <laughs> And that was heartbreaking for me. I went home and cried. I mean, you look at anybody else and they probably wouldn't be heartbroken by that because they made the team. But um, I feel like in that moment, I was kind of being um, singled out. Um, yeah. Um, and not only because of the fact that I made JV, but um, the relationship that me and that coach had, um, it wasn't a great one. There had been times where I did feel I was offended I couldn't tell you if it was for specific reasons, but yeah. um, I felt like she had it out for me. Um, so that for me fueled me and put a little mm. fire in my ass. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse here or not, but for me, it was I like I'm not going to let anybody, you know, I'm not going to let anybody tell me what I cannot do. And the funny thing is the head coach actually, because it was her who made that decision, but the head coach brought me up two weeks later because they needed me. Um, which oh, wow. didn't make sense to me, but um, that was just, that just fueled um, the fire in me to kind of just keep, keep pushing for more. So we mentioned this during our preliminary when I was asking about um, the Pan American Games and um, to just describe your experience playing for the Puerto Rican club in 2015. You know, my mom is of color. My father is Puerto Rican. Um, and, you know, I get my, obviously, my descent from his side of the family. But, uh, you know, I've been playing with the Puerto Rican national team since I was um, in eighth grade, really. Um, since 2013, I played for the junior team. And then I went on and played for the women's team in 2015. 
Um, we got bronze in the Pan American Games, which was huge. It was awesome. We were in Canada, um, but it was more of an honor to represent um, a small island that is a lot of the time overlooked. Um, mm -hmm. So just the heritage and, you know, winning this for an island that looks to sports to bring everybody together, um, a lot more so than I think even the mainland does. That's, you know, sports is what people, um, you know, what people hang on to, what they grasp so tightly, what brings everybody together. Um, so win it for them. Um, uh, it was really awesome. It was really cool. Um, and there's a couple different uh, medals that we won as well. We run the bronze, and we've also won gold medal in the Caribbean Games. Um, it's 2008. Yeah, so that was really cool. We were in Colombia. It's hard though when you're actually there and you're in the villages. Yeah. Uh, there was one time um, when we were in Colombia. Not even one time, the whole the whole time. And it's crazy because we're so fortunate to have what we have. Like we were in a small bedroom with three twin beds that had like just a flat sheet and it was really cold and it was oh, wow. It was just different from what we're used to or what I'm used to. It was all business and we were in a village with um, all the athletes as well. So um, we just, by the time we got back to the village, we were tired, but we did go, um, go to the malls, get food. But um, to be in a different country and and be there for one goal, we didn't really think about going traveling. Yeah. So I heard you talking earlier about uh, when you mentioned how um, the season was canceled because of COVID. So does that that's impacted your training as well? Do you still do stuff on your own, like you know, just to stay prepared, or are you taking a break? So I took a break this past fall. Um, I took about a two month break, um, but I've been training, I'm doing what I can uh, with my little makeshift gym back here. Uh, but yeah, with the, with the cancellation of the season, you know, the grind is the same. I'm still trying to stay in shape, but um, mentality uh, changed a little bit because I'm not playing as soon as I thought I would be playing. Right. So, you know, I think the girls might still be getting together and doing something over the summer. But for me, just the decision to kind of just um, not go to Chicago, especially after just buying a house in February and starting um, in a pair line, it just didn't make sense for me to go somewhere where I wasn't right. compensated um, the same way. Give us those specifics of what it was like playing for legendary coach Tim Walton. I know you said something earlier about him telling you to keep your, you know, both keep your head to the ground and just focus on yourself. But what was that like to, to experience that guidance throughout? Um, Tim Walton, uh, very knowledgeable coach, a very funny guy. He has his way of doing things. It's, it's actually quite funny. Um, I was actually on a Zoom call last night and one of the girls was like, you know, I know a freshman on the on the softball team and she told me that Tim Wallen made her carry around a yardstick. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> And she told me it was because she was standing too close to the plate. And now if you can envision somebody standing too close to the plate and Coach Walton wanting them to step back, you know, he gives her a yardstick so that she can understand what eight inches, right. eight inches standing, eight inches from the uh, back from the plate. So um, he has little ways of, of getting to each 
each and every one of his players, yeah. understanding what they need in order to succeed. So I thought that was really cool because, you know, they, I, I came in and, and, you know, he gave us personality tests so that he could better understand how to coach us. Oh, wow. So it's just little things like that that go a long way. Um, uh, it's funny sure. because he actually would delegate the responsibility of um, teaching me certain things in the batting cage and hitting to another coach because he knew that a different coach communicated with me in a different way that I understood better than I did with Tim Wallen. Um, so he understood his players um, and I appreciated that. Um, there'd be times where, you know, we also had meetings in the office to try to um, be on the same page, but I think he really made an effort so that he was on the same page with the girls and the girls are on the same page with him. So, uh, but he really a stand-up guy and he fought for his, for his players. Um, I, I don't know if I was supposed to say this or not, but he, there was time when he got kicked out of games just to ramp us up and get us, you know, flying <laughs> off the ball and get us coming uh, to come back. Wow. And push and run. So he was, he, you know, he took he care of his committing, players. yeah. That's one of the things that I will take away from my experience, aside from all the things that he taught me. Um, I think just him trying to understand each and every player so that yeah. he can better coach them and relate to them. Like for me, like coming into a program and being such a raw athlete, um, it was a lot of information to take in at first, but, um, but no, I appreciated his guidance and among the other coaches that I was under, Coach Rocha, Coach G, Coach, Coach Eric, um, you know, they're all great coaches. And I, and I think that um, Coach Rocha, I've, you know, related to her the most because I, like I said, I was a pitcher only the first yeah. two years and being with her, you know, consistently and kind of having somebody to bring me down to earth. Um, tell me when my makeup looks crazy to kind of be a mother figure in that sense yeah. on the softball field and help me out through and through with different things going on in life. What advice would you give your younger self? Do your homework, but just really um, figure out how to tune out all the, the external noise, not okay. care what you think, not um, be focused on on the negatives, just focus on the things that you can control. Um, mm -hmm. Focus on the things that are making you happy. Focus on um, the things that you need to do in order, you know, to reach your goals and um, stick with that because it's easy to get off track, especially when you're so young and you're in college and you're just a little fish in a huge, you know, pond. Um, it's hard to get sidetracked and lose focus, but um, yeah, just, you know, a tune out the negatives, tune out the external noise and, and focus on the road ahead of you. Lastly, we want you to describe what trusting the process means to you. So trusting the process to me just means to, um, you know, have your goal, have your goals. You have your long-term goals, you have your short-term goals, figuring out what you need to do in order to reach them. Um, and, you know, control the controllables and anything that you can't control, you have to stop worrying about because that's just gonna add extra stress. So figuring out what you need in order to reach those goals and be persistent and dedicated to them in order to um, be successful. But trusting that the work that you're doing is gonna pay off, trusting that um, everything that you put in is, is, you know, is not going unnoticed. 
Um, and it's gonna, you know, you're gonna reap the benefits of that. But um, until you do, just put your head down and do what you need to do. One thing that Coach Juan told us, because we watch, obviously we're on ESPN and we're, you know, getting a lot of like traffic to our social media. Right. Told us like, you know, people are gonna say great things about you and you wanna go on your phone and look at them, but you have to realize that people are also gonna say really negative things about you. Mm -hmm. And you have to know how to deal with that too, because you're going and, and all these people are saying stuff about you. So you just have to, right. to separate yourself from that and differentiate yourself. Um, right. You are not uh, what you do. And figure right. it out, and I think is the most important um, part of the journey that I've, you know, had thus far. This episode was brought to you by Overcome Achieve Clothing. Allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge. Wear your truth, overcome. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. Right? You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.